Come on, put your hands together one more time. One more time. You can be seated. Thank you so much. Again, it's such an honor to have you guys here, ladies and, and men here that serve, and at first service was the same. It's just a sweet, sweet moment. You deserve to be celebrated every day, but it's certainly special that we can take a moment and just bring a special attention and honor to you. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Luke chapter 5? Luke chapter 5, Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. Uh, we're beginning a brand new series today called Trust Issues is what we're talking about. Um, I, I believe it's important especially as your pastor, uh, at the end of every year, I take a couple of weeks and I focus my attention on some finance speaking to teach on finances and to bring your kind of your attention to it and the blessing that we can be missing out on. And I, I think it's important, and you'll hear me talk about this today, when it's, when it's that important and it's life-changing, then, then I have to take time to talk to you about it. It would be one of those things that if I didn't, you would be concerned to find out that I know something that, that exists that's a blessing and then to not bring it to you. And so as much as I'm going to preach salvation from this stage and grace from this stage and all these things, there's going to be times where we talk about the blessing that God has for us financially. And so in Luke chapter 5, if you're there, we're going to start reading at verses 1 to 5, uh, and then we'll get going from there. So uh, can you put that up there for me? We've got something going on with the back of your screen. I don't know what y'all have done. You sabotaged me. <laughs> It's like, we'll teach him talk about finances. <laughs> Luke chapter 5, verse 1 starts like this. It says, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So Jesus is teaching the word, and he's starting to gain momentum and popularity, and so people are gathering around him. And watch this. It says, he saw at the water's edge two boats. Everybody say two boats. Two boats. Two boats. And he saw them. They were left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. It was common of them to, when, when fishermen were done fishing, they would go and wash out their nets so they could store those nets for the next time they go fishing. So this is giving you context that they are now done fishing when Jesus sees them. The Bible says he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Simon is going to be Peter. And he asked him to put out a little from shore. Then Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. And so he's got everybody on the shore and from the boat, it can kind of be like an amphitheater type vibe. And when he had finished speaking, he then looks to Simon Peter and he says, put out into deep water and let's let down your nets for a catch. To which Simon answers, master, we've worked hard all night and we've caught nothing. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. My message today is titled simply this. Can I borrow your boat? When you read scripture, when, when all we have is the Bible verses for us to gain context and knowledge of Jesus Christ and God and his purpose and will for our life and biblical stories, it's great. But one of the hardships is that we don't really get to have context. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a sentence, but we don't know tone of voice. Uh, we don't know what's going on in their mind or what the atmosphere of the moment is. And so sometimes we can miss stuff when you just go from sentence to sentence. If you don't know, was that person anxious when they said it? Was that person angry when they said it? Uh, was there any kind of, and this is one thing I love about The Chosen, the series, if you've ever seen it, because they kind of try to fill in some of those blanks for you. But, but this is what I do. I read these stories and I try to get in the context and I think about it way more than I should think about it so that you don't have to think about it. So I can come in here and tell you to think about it. Okay. That's what I'm doing. <clears throat> but as I'm reading this, here was the thought that came to my mind. Was Peter at any moment hesitant to let Jesus borrow his boat? Was there ever a moment? 
Now, I understand that Jesus is Jesus, and maybe in here you're like, no, you know, if Jesus would have asked me, you're like super spiritual. If Jesus would have asked me, I'd have given my boat immediately. First of all, no, you wouldn't have. Second of all, like in this moment, Jesus is still kind of becoming popular. His ministry is still gaining. Simon Peter at this moment is not a disciple. And so to give you kind of a, a better idea of how you would do, if church was over and you walked out into the parking lot and there was like this hippie looking dude that walked up to you and started talking about how he was the son of God and performed miracles and then asked to borrow your car, how would you do with that? Right? Would you be like, oh yeah, here's the keys, man. Take it for a couple spins. I'll see you back. Right? There'd be some hesitancy. And so when I'm reading that, I'm like, there had to be some hesitancy with Peter and Jesus. And so I thought maybe he's asking questions like this. Number one, what if I need it? Right? Like, Jesus, you can borrow my boat, but, but this is, you know, I'm going to need it back at some point. So, so, so what if, what, what's going to happen if I need it? Maybe he asked this question. What if Jesus keeps it? Right? Because Jesus is Jesus. He can just be like, this is mine. I'm gone. Enjoy. You know, drop the mic. This is mine. So what if he keeps it? And then I thought about this question. Well, what if he doesn't take care of it or I don't get it back in time? Because I got to go fishing again. It's my job. So what if I don't get it back in time? And I ask these questions, and as, I, as I'm reading these verses, these verses really come to life. Listen to me. When you start to understand that Peter's boat represents his livelihood, when you understand that Peter is a fisherman, and so his boat was his job, it was a means of his income. That makes sense? Jesus was a fisherman, or I'm sorry, Peter was a fisherman. So this boat, is, it's, it's, it's not the boat that some people have that are in the driveway with the cover on it, and they pull it out for a couple of months a year. It's not that boat. This is his job. It's his livelihood. So when Jesus asked to borrow the boat, it's a big question. The most recent study in Barna says that 3% of adults tithe. It was funny. The study they did, they said that over 20% claim to tithe, but only 3% actually do. I went on to say that the average donation that's given a week by somebody in church is $17. And here's why I'm telling you this. To me, this proves for you and I that one of the hardest areas of our life to trust God with is our finances. When it comes to financial stewardship, when it comes to the finances in our life, that's an area where we have trust issues. And listen, it's okay. It makes sense, right? It makes so much sense that we could even get to a place where we're asking the kind of questions that Peter may have asked about his boat. Like, for example, what if I need it? Like, Jesus, I'll trust you with it, but, but what if, what's going to happen if I need it, right? Or here's one. What if Jesus keeps it? Like, we're all from the South, so we've been raised up in this teaching, this, this biblical teaching that if we trust God with our finances, there's going to be something coming back to us, right? We kind of have that principle in mind. But there's a sense of fear in the back of our mind that goes, well, what if he doesn't? What if I give it to him and then, and then he keeps it? Or, or better yet, what if Jesus doesn't take care of it? Watch this. And when I need it, I don't get it back. When the rent's due, right? When the groceries got to be bought, what if I don't get it back in time? Here's the other side of the coin. 72% of Americans, 72% say that they feel stress in the area of personal finance. So on one side, you've got a small percentage that will trust God with their finances. And on the other side, you've got a high percentage of people who are living life with financial stress. But here's the truth. When it comes to every person I know that tithes, 
their testimony is, I'm blessed. When it comes to every person that I know who doesn't tithe, their testimony is, I can't afford it. And here's the funny thing. As your pastor, I've been in both boats. That there was a time in my life where Darla and I would entrust God with our finances, and my testimony constantly was, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. No matter what, I can't afford it. And then something happened in our life, and look, we didn't get rich. We didn't get some huge raise. There was just a moment where we decided to start trusting God with our finances. It was hard. There was difficulty there. There was a lot of trust, but we did. And now, as a result of that, my testimony is, how could I not tithe? Now I'm in a season of life where I'm blessed. And so there's this understanding. And here's why this is important for you. That if 72% of Americans are dealing with life stressed about finances, and God is saying, I have a process in place. If you'll trust me, you'll find peace where you're experiencing stress. And so when I read Luke 5, I see some parallels in between Peter's boat and this concept of us Tithing, I want to share them with you. Three quick things. Number one is this. I noticed that Jesus asked to use it. Luke chapter 5, verse 3. Watch what it says. Throw that up there for us. It says, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus what? Oh my God. Okay, let's try to pay attention again. Everybody, wake up. Here we are. We're at church. Ready? Let's try this again. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon. He asked him. Jesus walks up and, and there's two boats and the Bible says that Jesus gets in one of them and then asks the owner of the boat, can I use this? This is so important, y'all, because Jesus is Jesus, okay? Jesus is the son of God, which means he could walk onto his boat and be like, I'm taking this. But he chooses to ask, can I use this? I don't know if you know this or not, but the federal government does not ask you to pay taxes, right? You, you either get your check and, it's, and it's, it's already taken out or you <laughs> avoid paying it and you end up in jail. And so it's interesting to me that, that God could have put in some kind of law. God could have put in some type of consequence that just automatically takes the money from us. God put, could have put in some type of consequence where if you and I didn't give money or we didn't trust him with our finances that we just <clears throat> fell to the side and died. But instead of God doing that, God ask us if he can use it. In Malachi, God asked us to bring him 10% of our income. He says that when we do that, we will prioritize him, we'll prioritize the work of God, and then he says, watch and see what I'll do with the other 90%. God asked us to bring 10 and then says, trust that, that he can do more with 90 than you and I can do with 100. Every year during this time, I'll preach a message called God's Bad at Math. And we talk through this concept that God can do more with 90% of our income in our life than you and I can do with 100%. But God is asking us. He's asking us. He's not demanding it. There's not this consequence if we don't. God with grace asks us. Listen to me. This, this illustrates the character of God. Everything that God has ever done in our life, there's a gentleman approach about it. God asks us. He says, listen, if you want to follow me, follow me. If you want for me to be your Lord, I'll be your Lord. There's not this demand and this make you because it's all about the heart. He doesn't want you to give because you have to give. He wants you to be in a place where you want to give because of the love of God. He doesn't make us. He gives us the opportunity. In Malachi, you would say Old Testament-wise, it's, it's a law. But the New Testament fulfilled the law. Grace fulfilled the law. 
And now we still do these things that the law said, but instead of doing them with an attitude of I got to, we do them with an attitude of I get to. Because it's out of a heart and a relationship. God asks us to tithe as an act of worship, as an act of obedience, as reverence to God. Watch this. It's how we show God that he's first in our lives and in our hearts. In a couple of months, we'll all sit down to celebrate Christmas. And for those of you that have small kids or you have had small kids, you will either live this experience or you have where at some point there's gift exchange time and one of your kids, small kids, brings you this gift and you get this gift and you open it up and you don't really know what it is. You know what I mean? Like... It's not anything you put real value to. Um, you, you didn't want this gift. You didn't ask for this gift. It was probably in like the $5 aisle at Target or that little front area of Kohl's when you walk in. Like you just got it. You know, it's like a pen holder or whatever it is. But the idea is your kid got it for you, right? So you're excited because your kid was thinking about you. Here's the kicker in the whole thing. You ready? You paid for the gift, <laughs> right? You didn't want it, you paid for it, and now you got it. But you are excited about it. It touches your heart because your child thought about you. They, they had you in mind. They love you, and they went out of their way. Even though it was your money, they went out of the way and spent it for you. This is how we have to see trust in God with our finances. This is the character of God. Listen, I don't know if you know this or not, but all of the money in the world is God's. Your money is God's. And if that, if that messes up your theological thinking patterns, let me help you with this. The reason you have your job is God. But the reason you have legs so you can get up in the morning and walk to work and activate and, 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 and operate, all the things you have to do is because of God. The reason you got a promotion, the reason you got a raise is because of God. God doesn't do it because he needs your money. What blesses God's heart is when he sees his kids bringing it back to him with a heart that says, I notice you, I love you, I'm worshiping you. Does that make sense? It's his money. He doesn't need the money, but there's the action and the response of his child coming and thinking about him and loving him, and that's the principle of tithing. It's God's plan that the people of God provide for the house of God. This is a cool concept, so let me kind of explain a little bit. But I, I just think this is really cool. So when you and I trust God with our finances, we are blessed. Now, it doesn't mean that we necessarily get double of what we gave or anything like that. It just means that God's hand is now on life, that God is protecting our finances, and that God is blessing us as a result to it. So we trust God with our finances. Then God takes those finances, and he uses them through the local church to bless other people, right? So you gave finances. God blessed you because of it. And now he takes those finances and builds the church and turns around and blesses other people, including you. I spoke last week that some of the ministries that we do and how there'll be a day where we're in heaven and you're in heaven and all of a sudden this little kid will run up to you. I don't know if there'll be a little kid at the time, but they'll start thanking you and you won't know, you know, I don't even know you and you'll find out it's because of the ministry that we did in Costa Rica that led that person to the Lord. And you start to realize that as I trusted God with my finances, God took that and used it to bless other people. Does that make sense? It, to me, it's a great concept that when you and I obey God in the principle of tithe and offerings, watch this, our families are blessed and the church is able to be a blessing. 
So number one, you need to understand that Jesus asked us to use it. I was talking to a gentleman in the lobby, a friend of mine that has been coming to the church just for a little bit of time now. We were talking about the difficulty of preaching on finances and we started talking about this concept of understanding the grace behind it. That in a lot of religions, it's a mandate. If you don't, where Jesus in our religion, it's a concept of you get to, I'm going to ask you to. Nobody in here is forced to accept Christ as our salvation. We have the opportunity to. We get to. And I love that principle that everything that God has for us is a blessing. God gives us the opportunity to embrace it. He doesn't force our hand because it's a heart issue, but he gives us the opportunity. So number one, Jesus asked to use it. Number two, watch this. Jesus asked us to trust him. This is where it gets cool. Jesus is in the boat with Peter. He gets done preaching. Everybody's kind of turning around and they're leaving. So imagine church services over and people are kind of heading out. And Jesus looks over to Peter and says, hey, I got an idea. Why don't you row us out deeper and then put your net down into the water and let's catch a lot of fish. And Peter's like, you know what, Jesus, I love your attitude. I love your heart. You know, I love your ability to really think big and dream big. But here's the problem. I have been fishing all night and I've caught nothing. And I've already pulled my boat ashore. I've already washed my nets. The wife is calling me. She's telling me I need to get home and put these kids to bed. And like, you know, here's, I, I need to go. This is not going to work. But here's what's interesting. The Bible then puts a period on that and says, but if you say it, I'll do it. And this is my difficulty with not having the context because you know it didn't come out like that. You know, Peter wasn't going, ah, I fished all night, I didn't catch anything, but hey, if you say it, I'll do it. I feel like there was a moment of reasoning there, right? There, there was some, some debate or discussion with Jesus. There was just some, hey, there was just kind of trying to justify his situation. He's like, Jesus, I appreciate your heart. I appreciate your positive spirit. But I did this, and it did not work. And now I have nothing to show for it. Here's what I hear Peter saying. I, honestly, I just can't afford to do it. I, I can't afford to do it. And I tried to picture in this moment, like, is he kind of, you know, he's just kind of stressing and going, you know, I tried to put the nets down. I fished all night. I didn't even catch anything. And like, he finally looks up, and Jesus is just kind of like, just looking at him. Like, you done? Will you trust me? You see, tithing is literal, physical evidence of faith. Because you and I are trusting God. Tithing is one of the ways on planet Earth that you and I can physically walk out our faith in God. Because we can all testify to this. We can't afford it. And the reason why we can all testify to that is because we live in a culture that the second we get any kind of margin of money, they find a way for us to spend it. Right? You got extra money? Get a seventh streaming device. Like there's always ways for you to spend the money now that you have. And so in a culture that's trying to go against this idea of stewardship, for us to tithe and trust God with our finances is a physical act of faith. Did, did you know that there are more than 500 verses in the Bible concerning prayer and almost 500 concerning faith, which makes almost a thousand, but watch this. There are over 2000 verses in the Bible about money and about possessions. Out of 38 of Jesus's parables, 
16 of them were about money. Why did Jesus talk about money like that? I've already told you it's not because he needed your financial provision, right? The, the idea is this, that Jesus wanted us to not be stressed. In a time where everybody is stressed financially, God wanted us to have peace. So I, we've taken our kids to a bunch of events and, uh, you know, we've taken them to Holiday World and, and some of these different places. And we recently took our kids to Holiday World, which has a theme park and a water park, right? It has both. And anytime we go on a trip like that, uh, the grandparents and the great-grandparents will give um, our kids money to spend. And, and a lot of money, more money than they should have. You know what I mean? You ever been there? And so when we get to park, we have this conversation. And here's the conversation. We're going to need to hold on to your money, Right? So look, you're going to go play in this theme park and go play in this water park. You've got shorts on where I don't trust the pockets. And so why don't you give us your money and we'll hold on to it. And you can go enjoy the theme park. And then when it comes time to spend money, you can come back and we will give you the money you need. It's our way of asking, let us protect the money you have. Does that make sense? What God's saying when he's saying, trust me with your finances, he's saying, let me protect your finances. Let me hold on to them and protect them so that you can go and enjoy your life. Get on the roller coaster, get on the water slide, and you don't have to get off and worry about, I don't know where my money went. Because if you have kids, you've been in that moment where they go and they come back and they say what? I don't know where my money is. And now your trip's ruined. Because either A, you got to deal with a crying kid the whole time, or B, you got to come up with $200. And the truth of the matter is this, I can't afford it. <laughs> Y'all gonna have to help me a little bit more out today. And so we protect it. And the same thing when we start trusting God with our finances, he protects it. Here's the other thing that happens. It, it, it always happens. It never fails that we'll be out doing this and the kids will come and they'll want to buy something. And it'll be one of the most stupid things you could possibly buy. You know what I mean? For Casey Ray, it's always stuffed animals. She has 47 stuffed animals in her house or in her room. And when we're out of town, it's always, I want to get the stuffed animal, Dad. It's a stuffed animal ice cream sandwich. Well, how much is it? It's $45 for a stuffed animal, right? And so we start having that moment where they were like, no, nah, you don't need to spend that on that. And then we have this conversation watch where we say, but look, here's why. Because there's a chance that we're going to move ahead and get somewhere. Watch. And we're gonna, you're going to find something that's better. You're going to find something that you wish you wouldn't have spent it here so that you could spend it there. Make sense? It's the same concept we've got in our finances and this attitude and this mindset of, hey, if you'll trust me, then I'll help you so that you don't mess around and buy stuff and spend it in ways you don't need to spend it and then get somewhere to something better. And now all of a sudden you don't have it. So not only is Jesus asking us to allow him to use it, but he's asking us to trust him in the process. God being the Lord of our finances has never been about financially supporting him. It's about growing our faith in him. Every time, every time in the Bible that Jesus had an interaction that was involving money or numbers, the result was always the building of the believer's faith. And this might be a different way for you to think. But the reason why Jesus asked to use it and the reason why Jesus asked us to trust him is not so much for a financial goal or a financial agenda or a need. It's to build our faith 
in God. I'll give you an example. At the end of every year as a church, we do something called Purpose Prevails. It's our end of the year offering. I'll talk about it in a couple weeks, but we give people who are already tithing an opportunity to give in an end of the year offering. People who are not tithing, we really challenge them to tithe through something called God's Guarantee. It's a really cool situation. And we've done it ever since we launched the church. And Darla and I, being the pastors, we always feel like you're supposed to lead from the front. And so every year we pray and sit down and talk through what our financial commitment will be at the end of the year, the end of year offering. And it's been phenomenal to watch God's faithfulness every year. And so one year, and I was telling first service, I think it was 2020, um, the cost and all that stuff, that there was some unexpected cost. And so we had less money than we thought we were going to have. But the Lord had laid a number on my heart to give. But we didn't have that amount unless we took the money from what I call our cushion. Now, in our early years of our marriage, Darla and I just were terrible with our finances. We didn't trust God with them. And we were constantly in times where we'd be at Kroger and our card would be declined. It was so embarrassing. And so when we finally got to a place where we were healthy financially, I developed kind of a cushion in our bank account. And the idea was we're never going to have a moment where we're at Kroger and we put our card in and it gets declined. So we keep this cushion. And so fast forward, this time comes, and I feel like God's put this amount on my heart, and I want to give it, but in order to give that amount, I've got to take the money that is my cushion. And I'm struggling with it. And part of it now, looking back, I think that there was a part where God was trying to make sure the cushion, that I didn't start trusting the cushion more than I trust him, you know? And so I wrestled with this. I talked to Darla about it. You know, she's like, I trust you, babe, whatever you do. And so we kind of give towards the end of the year. And I waited till December 31st because, you know, if, if Jesus is coming at midnight, I'm coming at midnight. You know what I mean? Like, we're just going to, I'm going to wait till I possibly can. And so I gave the amount of money and I was just like, well, we're trusting God. I was telling Darla, like, we're going to be eating ramen noodles for the rest of our life. Like, it just is what it is. You know, trusting God is hard. And, and on January 3rd, January 3rd, my pastor, one of, our, one of my overseers called Pastor Ron, you've seen he's preached here a couple times. He calls me on January 30. He says, hey, what you doing? I said, oh, I'm just out with the family. He said, did you have a good Christmas? I said, yeah. He said, you buy the kids a bunch of stuff? I said, of course. He said, hey, I'm just calling to tell you I love you and calling to tell you there's a check in the mail. I said, a check in the mail for what? He said, Kelly and I, his wife Kelly, he said, we just love you all. We want to bless you. Of course, I said, thank you. We talked through the Oriel phone. A few days later, I go to the mailbox and I pull the check out. Listen to me. The check was the exact same amount as the cushion that was in the bank. Now, here's what you got to understand about that. Number one is God was trying to move me to a place where I don't put more trust in a savings account than I do God. But here's the cooler part of this. I didn't get an increase of money. Does that make sense? I didn't give X amount of dollars and then get double. I got back what I gave. Because that lesson in that moment wasn't about blessing or increase. It was a lesson of me getting to a place where I trust God with my financial life. Where it's not about, well, you know, I trust God, but I got this kind of backup plan. It was, was I willing to give that up, right? I'll give that to God. And then God gave it right back. But he's just saying, I just want to teach you a lesson, son, that you can trust me. It's important. So number one, Jesus asked us to use it. He asked us to use it in a grace concept that we get to trust God with our finances. Number two, he asked us to trust him so that he can come in and be a protector and a provider. And it's an opportunity and a privilege. And then number three is this, Jesus promises to multiply it. So number one, Jesus is going to ask us to use it. Number two, Jesus is going to ask us to trust him in the process. And then number three, Jesus promises to multiply. Let's go back to Luke chapter five. I already told you that 
Peter's talking to Jesus and he's having this discussion and this debate. And he's like, man, I fished all night. He says, but hey, if you ask it, I'll do it. And here's where we pick up. Verse six says, and this time, this time, this time, as he put the net out, their nets were so full that they begin to tear. He's pulling the fish out of the water into the boat and the, and the nets are ripping. It's such a, same place, same thing he'd already done and not had any success at. And now he has this great success. And now watch, this is so powerful. I'm not preaching this today, but you need to catch this. It all of a sudden makes him generous. Watch this. It says, a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats, everybody say both boats. Both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. Peter trusts Jesus and he goes from not having to having so much that now he gets to be generous as a result of it. A couple days ago, I'm just kind of stewing in this story. I'm looking for the things you don't normally find. Just trying to hear what God's telling us. And I was reminded, this is why I made you say it at the beginning of the service. I was reminded that there were two boats. You remember that? It's two boats. Which means that when Jesus walks up, he's preaching, he's teaching, and now he realizes that he has to give himself kind of an amphitheater vibe for him to be able to really communicate to everybody. So he needs a boat, and he looks, and there's two boats on the shore. One, we were told, is Simon Peter's. We're not told who the other one is. First service, I just said it was Greg's. I didn't know anybody, anybody else. We just went with Greg. So we're going we're to stay with Greg. So you got Greg's boat, and you got Peter's boat. And Jesus walks up, and he says, the Bible says he gets into Peter's boat, looks to Peter, and asks, can I use this? What happens if Peter says no? What happens if Peter's like, man, look, I would love to be helpful, but I got a lot going on. My wife keeps beeping me. I got to hurry up and get home. There's a lot happening. And I just, I just, I can't. Well, here's what I think would happen. I think Jesus would say, okay, thank you. And then he would go, hey, Greg, can I use your boat? Right? Jesus would just move on to the next boat. And then here's what hit me. Watch. If Peter doesn't trust God, he misses out on the miracle. Right? If he gets in Greg's boat, Greg gets the miracle. But because he trusted God, because he put himself in a position to trust God with his finances, he is the recipient of a miracle from God. Here's what I'm trying to tell you, and please, please catch this because... If you're going to sum this whole message up in one statement, here it is. You ready? If God is asking something from you, it's because he's trying to get something to you. All throughout the Bible, every time God asks you for something, it's because he's trying to get something to you. When he asks you to follow him, it's because he's trying to get to you a life of purpose and freedom. When he asks you to believe in him, it's because he's trying to get to you salvation. And when he asks us to trust him with our finances, it's because he's trying to get to us blessing and protection and provision. Peter shows us that we cannot give something to Jesus without Jesus being able to give even more back. Amen? So here's my deal. I, again, I take the responsibility as your pastor to preach these things and to put you in a place where you can experience financial peace in a world that's experiencing financial stress. But let me tell you what was always my, my, my hang-up. 
when I was growing up, especially in the church world, people would say things like, man, I'm just struggling financially. And they say, oh, you just need to do something to get yourself in the right place. And they would give them a system, but the system always costs money, right? So it's like, hey, I'm struggling financially. And they'd be like, oh, you just need to take this class. Okay, well, the class is $500. Well, wait, you know, that's not going to help me. It was always a difficulty. So you may have heard of the name Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey has a program called Ramsey Plus. Ramsey Plus is a subscription, a pretty awesome subscription that comes with all kinds of different things. It comes with uh, Financial Peace University, which is an online course that you take to help you with financial structure and budgeting to help you be able to get out of debt. Uh, it comes with this thing called Every Dollar, which is kind of a budgeting app process so that you know how to budget. Most people don't budget at all. There's tax information to help you be able to do your taxes. There's over 20 hours of video that be able to walk you through different budgeting and financial assets. There's audio books. There's this incredible package of stuff. But it's about a $200 value. And so again, in a scenario like this, I'd get up in front of you and I'd go, you really need to do this. And you go, man, that sounds great. I think it'd help me. And then you'd get up and walk out and go, where are you going to find $200? So here's what's cool, and I'm excited to announce this. Because of those that faithfully give to Victory, because of our ability to steward finance as well, today we have paid for everybody in this room to be able to have Ramsey Plus for free. Okay? Come on, you can give God praise. So on the screen behind me is a QR code. If you're on our email database, you'll get an email to you so you don't have to stress. If you're on the email database, if you want to be on the email database, talk to somebody that welcomes it on your way out. But here's what this is. I was telling our dream team before service, this is my way of telling you, we'll pay for the gym membership. You just got to go to the gym, right? My plea to you, listen to me, is over the next couple of months, get with your spouse, get with your family, and start putting this stuff to work. Go through financial peace. Put yourself in a place where you can be removed from the financial stress. Do you know how many people will commit suicide over the next couple months because of financial stress? Also, they can have presents under a tree that they can't afford a month later. And so we've paid for you to have it. So I encourage you to go through the process. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? I want to say one more thing to you, but before I do, if there's anybody in here this morning who's being baptized and you're not ready, you, now is a good time for you to sneak out. Go ahead, get dressed, get ready. I want to make sure I say this too. Even if you're visiting, it's your first time I ever be at church. This is, an, this, is a, this is available to you. I'm just a firm believer that financial stress is real. And there are resources and processes for you to find freedom in it that God's already given us. And instead of just talking about it, let's do it. Amen? So let me share this and then we'll close. I'm reading over this story again and again and again and again, and all of a sudden it hits me, and maybe you got this on the first read, but I didn't. That in the moment where Jesus talks to Peter, Peter has to be completely stressed. Could you imagine working? Imagine right now if you guys work for the next two weeks, and then all of a sudden, because a lot of us have that direct deposit, you're your check never got into your direct deposit and you went to your boss and you said, hey, I didn't get paid for the last couple of weeks of work and they said, oh, sorry, we're not going to pay you for that. 
you put your hands on them suddenly, right? Suddenly in the Lord. They put slain. Everybody's slain at the workplace. That'd be a tough thing. Do you, would that cause some stress? Majority of people in America live paycheck to paycheck, which means if they don't get one paycheck, their, their whole financial structure is ruined. So the idea, and, and we miss this, right? Because it's biblical and we don't quite understand it. He worked all night. He worked the night shift. He clocked in, clocked out, and after work had no financial help to show for it. And so I think he's cleaning his net and he's frustrated and he's talking to himself and he's angry and he's trying to figure out how in the world am I even going to put bread on the table because I've been, you know, been out here fishing all night and I got nothing. And Jesus steps up and goes, can I borrow your boat? And he's like, whatever, I don't care. Gets in the boat and go through the process. And then Jesus looks at him and says, hey, you want to trust me real quick? Put your net back out. And he's like, man. Because again, you got to think about this. I don't think he had the net in the boat. I think that meant they had to go back get the net, come back out. He puts the net out. Now he's got to clean the net up again. Right? It's, it's stressful. And when you read the beginning of Luke 5, all you see is financial stress. You get to the end of this story and what you see is financial provision. And so here's how I wanted to end our service today. I know it's a little bit of a unique service, especially for those of you that are family and you're visiting today to see your family or loved one get baptized and I understand that it might not be normal for you. And some of you are like, my gosh, I finally get somebody here and he's talking about finances. Like, way to go, Troy. But please listen to me. Some of you came in this place this morning stressed about finances. Some of you were at the dinner table last night talking to your spouse, worried about finances. And I'm telling you that God will give us peace where there's stress. I'm telling you there's practical resource. We're giving that to you. But some of it is just you being willing to trust God with every area of your life. So do me a favor, close your eyes right now. My prayer for you is that you would trust God with every area. Some of you trust him with a few things, but not everything. To trust him with your finances is a, it's a huge step. It's a huge leap. So, Father, I pray right now for everybody in this room. Lord, your word is so clear that if we will trust you, not only do you bring financial protection, not only do you bring financial provision, but, God, you bring financial peace. And here's what I think is cool about your Holy Spirit is that you knew exactly who would be in this place today. Somebody who might be visiting today and they'll never be back in this building. But they're leaving today with a challenge and an encouragement to lean into you for peace. Come on, if that's you, just do me a favor. Just right now where you are, just begin to say, God, I need your peace. I need your peace. He knows. Go ahead and share it with them. Say, Father, this is where I'm struggling. I want to trust you, but I'm worried about how we're going to do this and how we're going to do that. And what I need is your peace. Listen, if you're in this place and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you can do that today. 
The Bible says, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and you shall be saved. So for some of you this morning, you're just going to surrender your life to Jesus. For some of you, you're saved, but you're going to surrender your worry and your stress and your anxiety to Jesus and receive his peace. Come on, do that right now. Say, Jesus, I need you. I need your peace. Our response to him is going to be through worship. That we would sing back to him our trust in him. And I trust you, Father, for every situation that I'm in, whether it be physical, mental, financial, that my entire life is yours, that I trust you in every moment. I trust in you, God. 